bell. Now let's go. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Motivation. All the hating that they doing. Motivation. And we're going to win this thing again, all right? How's life for you, Jason? Life? The Rich Eisen Show. Life is uh, pretty good. How many plates were you spinning at once trying to re-sign everybody? Kind of felt like uh, the Seinfeld episode. As soon as we got one done, we'd ring the bell. Earlier on the show, senior writer for the MMQB, Albert Breer. Coming up, NBA broadcaster Mike Breen. Plus, host of the Right Time Podcast, Bomani Jones. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. We're sitting here on NBC Sports on Peacock. Light a candle for us uh, because, you know, we've been experiencing technical difficulties with our lights all day. So if you're if you're noticing that we look a little bit darker than usual and a little less lit, that that's what it is. Um, it's okay. I was just sick and tired of the shine. I'll be very honest. Um, Brockman, that's uh, you're welcome as well on Appreciate that front. You, good to Appreciate see you over you there. Uh, good to see you over there. TJ Jefferson is lit better than Perfectly anybody here on the set. Well done, sir. Well thank done, you, sir. Thank you. You got it. Um, uh, interesting chat with Albert Breer last hour. Some terrific insights on the Aaron Rodgers contract, if you will, situation, even though it's not a contract situation. His problem with the Packers appears to be the way that they conduct their business and their salary cap and the way that they refuse to mortgage the future, and Aaron would like the help now. Um, if you missed any part of that conversation, please do so. Bomani Jones will be joining us about that story, the Tebow signing, and then tonight's big matchup between the Knicks and the Lakers. And that's how we welcome in our next guest, a man who has called 15 consecutive NBA Finals and has been a voice of the Knicks since 2004, and he has been waiting to accept what uh, he was awarded and, uh, if you will, inducted with last year. It was the 2020 Kurt Gowdy Award winner. He will go into the Basketball Hall of Fame on Friday. It's been a long time coming and very well deserved. One of our favorites here on the Rich Eisen Show, Mike Breen on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Mike? Hello, old friends. Nice to hear your voice. Nice to, uh, nice at to least, hear yours. Uh, live talking to each other. And of course, this is always the time of year where it's like right around the time where I'm, I'm watching your sprinting ability on various <laughs> videos on Twitter all the time. How, well, how long before you you sprint? How long do you stretch? Oh, Mike, you're getting into a very touchy, very touchy <laughs> subject uh, about my prep. For it this year, my prep for it was to go on an anti-inflammatory um, cleanse. I dropped 12 pounds um, about in three weeks prior to the run. Didn't run faster. It's my start and my finish. Um, and that has now been um, confirmed by uh, analytics. That is actually true. So it's all of that. That's well, my the way. Key of st- now, as we get older, is just if you come away without an injury, yep. it's it's a wild success. In one piece, Mike, I came away with one piece. But the best number is what we raised for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is, as you know, what it is all about in this world: doing whatever we oh. can while we're here. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's one of the magical places on earth. It is beautiful. Um, so, thanks for joining today, Mike. I appreciate it. Congratulations! And this is going to be a, this has to be a hell of a speech. You've been working on it for a year. I imagine, <laughs> coming on Friday, right? No pressure. No pressure. Uh, you know what? It's funny. I, did, I didn't because, you know, it was postponed a couple of times. It was supposed to be in August. And I'm like, I have all summer. And then 
it clearly wasn't going to happen in summer. They said maybe October. I said, all right, I'll wait, I'll wait till the fall. And then I got pushed back till May. So I just started working out about, about 20 minutes ago. I <laughs> sort of like me with my run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's very exciting. It's very, very humbling. Um, and, um, it's actually been beautiful because you get to, uh, you get to hear from so many friends and family and colleagues, um, many that you see all the time, many that you haven't heard from in all in a long, long time, and uh, to be able to um, to share it with them and to be able to thank them for for all the the things that they did for you uh, is uh, it's really it, it is as you said earlier, it's what it's all about. It is what it's all about. So uh, we can confirm here live on the Rich Eisen show that you will not be using your speech like Jordan to settle all the old scores with people who wouldn't give you jobs in your shot. Early on, I didn't, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> that one time, you know, when I was in Fordham, and I tried, you know, like you could, you, I mean, just really, you can just lay you, that. But that's not like you. I don't think that's what you're going to do, Mike. I don't think that's what you'll be. No, doing. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> but what would you, if you had told that kid in Fordham back in the day that this is what this is what uh, had become? What what would you say, Mike Breen, that kid? Growing up no, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't have wouldn't have believed any of it. Uh, I mean, I've told this story many times. Um, I went to Fordham with with my wonderful friend Michael Kay. We've yes. been best friends for over forty years, and we used to sit in the student cafeteria. And you know, we were both student broadcasters at the college radio station, and we'd talk about what we want to do. And I I would say, boy, my dream job would be broadcasting the Knicks, and he would say, my dream job broadcasting the Yankees, yes. and then would have a good laugh like these two fools thinking along those lines so it's you know it's nothing you ever you, you ever dream about uh, but then as it, you go through it you just you know you feel so uh, so blessed and in some in many aspects you don't feel like you deserve all the wonderful blessings you've had and and michael and i talked about that in fact you know not to go on please off tangent but um i got a text from him yesterday that was something that I'll always save. It was just such beautiful words that he sent. And, and that, to me, has been the most wonderful part of this all, is, is him being able to tell me something, and me being able to tell him something back, and, and, and you know how much I love him as a friend. So uh, those kind of things, when you think back all those years ago and then come to now, it just it gets a little overwhelming emotionally. Okay, is one of my favorite people. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a great human on the planet who is just one big... Um, one big, um, great human. That's he is just the he. I, I love that guy, and you know, not just because he invited me to his Christmas party with Danny Aiello in the basement, you know, of his apartment years ago, standing shoulder to shoulder with just so many people. Who were just, I, I imagine you were at those parties too, Mike. You must have been at those. I, Christmas I was, parties, and then I, you know, I realized it, it, there was a possibility that some of those parties could go sideways and <laughs> might not be the best place to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were they were great events, and it was you know what it was, Rich. It, it was bringing all people together in our business, right? And it was just so much fun because often it was it was people that you didn't hadn't seen for a whole year since the last party. No doubt. Well, congrats in advance of your of your induction. It is so well deserved, and I couldn't be more happy for you. And then look at what we've got going on tonight here in Los Angeles, Mike Breen. Um, I don't know what's more surprising. Um, the fact that the Lakers are having such a struggle in, you know, an injury-riddled struggle, or the fact that the Knicks have the same record as the Lakers coming into this game. They've, they, they have the same record, 
and the team that is on the upswing because they are they are more I guess well put together and and healthier are the Knicks. What has this renaissance been like to to call and see front and center, Mike? Well, I, I think all of us when when we think about our favorite teams that we root for, mm-hmm. regardless of of what sport it is. To me, the, the most enjoyable seasons as a fan, whether it be for me like a Mets fan or a football Giants fan or a Knicks fan, were, the, were the, the years where the team just completely overachieves and they come out of nowhere and surprise you with their terrific play and their success. Those are always the fun ones. The years where you know, one of your teams is a, a championship contender and you think they should win the title or, or could. I mean, they're great, obviously, and especially if they do win it. But I've always felt these are the kind of years that are most satisfying and the, and the teams that fans remember. And that's what I feel about this team because, you know, for Nick fans, it's been years of really torture in terms of, you know, so desperate and so hungry just to have a contending team. And it seems every year, right after the All-Star break, the season goes off the cliff for whatever reason. And for them to be a team that every month seems to get better, um, that's what's been really fun. And, and, you know, early defense carried them. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> they've had one of the best offensive teams over the last month. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. I mean, that was their number one weakness coming into the year. Mm. It's, it's incredible. And I, and I think I said on the air during a game on MSG, Last week before a game, I said, the Knicks have the eighth best record in the NBA. <laughs> and then I said, let me repeat that. <laughs> I, I almost couldn't believe me saying it, that right. they had the eighth best record in the entire league. And it's a credit to, you know, starting with Thibodeau and then with players who just who are willing to be coached hard and bought in and are willing to sacrifice individual um, successes for team success. It, it has been so much fun to watch, Rich, because they play the game that many of us love when it's, you know, what's the old expression? Um, the whole is better than the sum of its parts, and they are the epitome of that. That said, they've got a hell of a part in Julius Randle. I've got Mike Breen here on the Rich Eisen Show. Where did he come from? We all know, obviously, how his, 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 uh, his career, and that's a big game and a big spot tonight, obviously, here in the home of the Lakers. Uh, and just watching him, it's just been for me, and you know I go way back too, and where I'm from, seeing him in Bernard King's 30 is just jarring, um, and, and how good he is and what he is doing and carrying on that terrific tradition of that number and his MVP-type, worthy MVP-type play. Where did How did this all come together for Julius Randle, best you can tell, Mike? Well, I, I think he went last year was was one of the hardest years of his career, if not the hardest, because he was coming to New York to you know assume leadership and and now show that he could be the guy, and it didn't work out. And and amazingly, he's been so public about that that the piece he wrote in the Players Tribune, uh, I, I would say to anybody who hasn't read it, read it, and you'll become an instant fan of Julius Randle because he took a hard look in the mirror and realized. Yeah, I can do some things. I have some talent. But, boy, was I not a good leader or a team basketball player last year. And, and his numbers were okay. He was like 19 and 10 for crying out loud. And most guys think, hey, I did my job. But he didn't think that. In fact, he think, thought he, he, he did a poor job. And what he, he spent his whole time off improving on every aspect. And that's the thing that, that blows me away. He's improved on every facet of his game. Not just shooting, but shooting from the free throw line, his mid-range shot, his three-point shot, 
Um, he's improved his defense, not just his on-ball defense, but his help defense. He's improved his decision-making. He's improved his leadership. It's, it's one of the biggest one-season turnarounds of a player that I've seen in, in almost 30 years of broadcast in the NBA, and it's because he realized that he fell short, looked in the mirror, and said, I'm going to do something about this. It, it's, uh, it's truly a, a, a terrific, incredible story of, of, uh, of a one-year turnaround for a player like that. So obviously, you know, uh, the playoffs are going to start very soon. There's that one game. Uh, play in if they're t- if the seven seed is lucky enough, um, and then obviously a tournament uh, could actually unfold from all of that. So um, and we know that LeBron is not very keen on that uh, idea, and that starts very soon. The best team that you've seen this year, Mike Breen, would be would be which? Obviously, you've seen a ton come through Madison Square Garden, and then your work with the NBA. Uh, on ESPN and ABC, what what do you got for me on that front here? Well, to me, the the, the most dangerous team, the team that looked looked to me to be the most unbeatable, and it was only for a short stretch. And obviously, their whole success possibilities is is about their health. Is Brooklyn? Bro- Brooklyn, if those three guys are healthy and playing together, uh, they're they're unguardable as much as any team that I that I've seen. And, you know, Golden State is, is certainly in, in a category like that when, when they had the three of them. Right. But they're phenomenal. But right now, health is, is the number one intangible. It always is every season, but nothing like this year. And I think it's brought everybody kind of closer in terms of who's championship contenders. I don't, I don't think I ever remember saying that I could actually see – eight different teams win the title this year. I don't think I've ever said that. Um, If you said five, that would be a lot. But I really do believe eight teams have a legitimate shot. And, and, you know, all the intangibles we just talked about have something to do with it. But Phoenix and Utah have been tremendous all season. They're, They're right there. The Clippers and, yes, the Lakers as well. And I put Denver in there as well. Even without Jamal Murray, Denver's got a chance. And then you put the top three teams of Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee all have a chance. And um, it depends on who's healthy. It depends on who's obviously clicking at the right time. Uh, but it's as wide open as I've ever seen in all my years doing the league. Well, then in, to use your, uh, your uh, well-known phrase of bang, um, <laughs> Steph Curry has been maybe the bangiest of them all, <laughs> certainly in recent days. Um, who's your MVP Mike, what do you think? Who would you put a vote for on that front? I would, and I do think you really need this year to wait to the very end of the season. Sure. Uh, because there's still so many important games, and we kind of tend to, to have our votes all set like a month ago. But to me, with so much at stake still, these games are huge. And to see how somebody performs in these, gauge, these games. For example, Jamal Murray goes down, and Jokic says, okay, I got you, don't worry. Um, so that showed me a lot. So right now I would say he's, he's the guy that, that I would go for just for his consistency, um, for his overall, what he does for that team night in and night out. And quite frankly, his ability to stay on the court, um, right. is, you know, that's one of the, the key statistics for every team this year. So I, I would lean towards him right now. Well, I mean, it's important that you say it's consistency to stay on the court because you mentioned the Nets are the most potentially unbeatable, unguardable, and you can't talk about any of the three as an MVP of the league. You can, however, 
to use a similar analogy that you just made about anybody could win the championship of eight teams. You could make a case for eight MVPs, eight different MVPs. I think you could probably get close to that. You know, Donovan Mitchell, before he went down, would be somebody you have to mention. Chris Paul for the Suns. You've got to talk, obviously, about Embiid in Philadelphia. Steph Curry uh, for for the Warriors, and I know they're barely above 500. And then I guess to come a little bit full circle, Julius Randle, what he's done with the Knicks. I mean, that's right. just people we, off the top of my head. We have Giannis fatigue because right. he's won two in a row. That's so right. Giannis we don't have to vote for him again. But right. he's, he's been phenomenal. So, you know, the, the talent in the league is is right now it's it's crazy uh, in terms of how many guys are playing at such a such a high level. Um, and that's why, like I, uh, you know, you mentioned Randall. Uh, I'm happy for him. Uh, he's finally going to get to to play in a playoff game. Huh. He's never played in a playoff game. In fact, the best team he's ever played on record wise was 12 games under 500. Unreal. And this is, again, this is, a, this is a really talented player coming out of college. So now he's going to get a chance. And, and you know, to, to be able to see a guy get that opportunity is, uh, it's always, to me, one of the, one of the fun parts. And, and that's, that's also why it's worked in New York with Thibodeau, because so often for a coach, do you get the player at the right time, at the right time of his career, where he's ready to, to do whatever it takes to win? I've always loved Isaiah Thomas's comment from years ago. He said, young players define their games by how many points they score. But then you go, the older veterans define their games by how many playoff wins they get. And with Julius Randle right now, yeah, he's, like, he's enjoying the scoring, but, but he wants playoff wins. Well, we'll see what happens tonight with the Lakers. Um, before I let you go, Mike, excuse me for being ignorant about this, but is this an in-person ceremony on Friday? Do you get it to, to actually be together? Or is that possible, or is this all? Yes. Okay, Believe, great. Yes, and that's that's the best part about it. So all my family's coming. My oh, mother's going to be there. My brothers are going to be there. Oh, uh, plenty of friends and colleagues, so it'll be uh, – It'll be a fun night for all of us. It's a long wait, but one um, that uh, you're finally going to get to enjoy. I couldn't be happier for you, Mike. You know how I feel about you, so I'll just say it publicly. I don't care. Well, I Thank mean, you, my dear friend. So, Rich, so excited. Always appreciate you. Right back at you, Mike Breen. Enjoy, the, enjoy Friday, and then we'll catch up with you during the playoffs. Gotcha. That's Mike Breen, everybody. Yes, you got the, uh, uh, the Knicks and the Lakers tonight, and then he's going to call his 16th straight NBA Finals coming up this summer. Julius Randle, what a story. Uh, again, I get so caught up in it. And I'll say this, Mike's off the phone, right? Because I don't want to put him in any position. Great. Can't wait to see how Dolan's going to screw that one up. <laughs> I honestly have no faith in it. I have no faith in it. But at least I'm, I'm going to take something from the Devontae Adams page and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to root for the Knicks tonight. And I say that fully aware. I'm on, across all of California on the Mightier 1090. This is going to be a fun game tonight. It's big for both. Big for both. Oh, man, is it big for the Lakers. Bamati Jones, when we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show, on this subject and more, don't miss it. Always a great chat with Bomani. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is 
unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. I tried to explain to my eight-year-old the other day about what an encyclopedia was. Why? Well, you know what? I sold encyclopedias for one week in Kansas Get City. Out of here! Swear to you, I I, I you went door to door. David Keckner was a door to door encyclopedia salesman in Kansas City. Yes, I, I came I, uh, after my sophomore <laughs> year in college. I decided I'm not going back to Tipton, Missouri, where I'm from 2,000 yes. people. I'm going to go to Kansas City where I get some buddies there for yeah. I met from college. My dad said, okay, well, you have to have X number of dollars saved yes. before you go back to school. Yes. Because I'm not just, you know, paying for everything. So I had a series of jobs, one selling cable, one selling encyclopedias, one selling Circus Delight ice cream, none of which panned out. What? I just said job after job. How many encyclopedias did you sell? None. Zero. There was a 10-page script. You had to go into yes. people's houses, and it yes. was a takeaway script. Yes. Do you believe education is important? Yes, of course well, I do. Great, so do I. It was just page <laughs> after page. It's a takeaway. Well, I'm not sure you're really committed to your children if you don't believe blah, 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 blah. We used to get dropped off in the neighborhoods at like 1045 at night. Yeah. And, and ring the bell. Ring the bell. We had oh. cops call on us. I'm like, I don't think this job is the right one. Well, David, if uh, not to top you, as you topped me at the very Doesn't beginning matter. of this conversation. Friends. There's okay. no topping. There's forever. Only, there's forever. A, forever. There's only communion. Okay, okay yes. so here, so uh, I. This is my favorite story, by the way. One of my first jobs I ever had was cold calling Brooklyn and Staten Island residents for the New York Post at Saturday morning, 8 a.m., and the language I heard, yeah, it, it's not even safe for certain types of work. Yeah, yeah. I I could not, and I would sell uh, eventually the newspaper to people who hardly spoke English, oh. and it was terrible. I they felt, thought they I, had to take it. I felt that I don't even think they knew what the hell the New York Post was. Right. But I mean, at eight in the morning on a Saturday, just call people up. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, what would be, are, 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 do you have? Do you, do you subscribe to the New York Post? No, I do not. Like, what would you like? I mean, it was terrible. Man. Oh my gosh! And then terrible. halfway after a minute, they're like, who is this? I know. <laughs> What? What? Do you remember the pitch at all? Oh, it was just, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, how would you like to get the most New York or something stupid like that? Or But at 8 a.m., a, a lot of people don't pick up. No. 
Or if they do, they're just really... And I'm interested in, uh, in subscribing yeah. to a newspaper. Confused and then irate. So did you, so did you get, you didn't even get close to selling your no. encyclopedia? No, 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 not even close. I mean, Even I, with I'm that t- opening line of, do you care about education? Is education, you, yeah, it, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I only memorized the first page. Uh-huh. So had I gotten to a sale, I would not have known what to do. <sighs> Love that guy. Love David Keckner. Go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for the entirety of our library and archive, over 264,000 subscribers and growing every single day. This man is uh, always a great chat whenever he comes on the show, and there's lots going on in the world. I would love to pick his brain on his thoughts. I follow him on Twitter, and you can also check out The Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast. He is Bomani Jones. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How about you? I am doing better. Uh, what story interests you more than anything else right now that appears to be at the top of a, a headline stack? Is it what's going on in the NFL, NBA, Rodgers, Tebow, tonight's Lakers, Knicks? I'll give you the uh, omnibus choice. What what interests you? What's the top I mean, of your look, mind? Look, I understand that we've been beating this thing into the ground, but there's nothing more interesting than what's going on with Aaron Rodgers right now. Right. There's, just, there's just no way around it where – I think I am one of the few people who is willing to come out in public and say, I understand why they drafted Jordan Love. Like, I don't even think that that was necessarily a terrible decision. It was only a terrible decision if you did not realize that as soon as you drafted him, that meant that he would be the starter in 2021. Didn't matter what Aaron Rodgers did in 2020, you were going to have to make that move if you decided to take a quarterback. And they apparently did not understand that this is what it was. And it's like, we know somehow we've never met Aaron Rodgers, but we know him better than they do. And they seem to be really surprised that this is going right now when it was so eminently predictable. And now I have no idea what in the world they're going to do. And I still don't know what Jordan Love looks like. No idea. (laughs) (laughs) You can walk down a street and not be able to to say, oh, that's Jordan Love, right? You have no idea. Let me tell you, a whole lot of people going to walk across Jordan Love in a similar circumstance and be like, really, you uh, went to Utah State? Like, like I just just think that in all of it, and by the way, they don't seem to know anything about him either because he came in in the worst offseason ever to be a rookie, and, you know, there's no camp. He didn't dress for any of the games last year. They literally have no idea whether their first-round pick from last year can do anything as of this moment right now. And that's an absurd thing to say as a pro franchise. It is, because if you think about it, Bomani, at some point, because we're, we're, we're focusing on the possible – no, focusing, but we're talking about uh, – my colleague at NFL Media Group, Bucky Brooks, certainly threw it out there as a possibility for the Ravens being the first to do it, because at the time – you know, Lamar Jackson didn't have his fifth-year option picked up, that at some point somebody is going to go in the direction of drafting somebody in the first round and instead of giving them a fifth-year option contract and picking that up and then trying to figure out what the next iteration of a contract looks like, they'll just be like college. They'll just let that player graduate and they'll start the clock again with a new rookie quarterback and try and win that way again. And instead we're seeing the Packers say, okay, instead of – choosing someone in the first round and then throwing all of our resources in to make sure we win in that first iteration of a contract before we get cap hamstrung with him. We'll just let him sit. It just makes no sense. None of it makes sense on that front at all. Bamana. Yeah, like I, I thought that if somebody were going to do kind of that graduation thing, that it would be Jared Goff. 
And then the Rams gave him a boatload of cash. Like right after, I was like, you know, this guy probably isn't really that good. You could probably get another one of those. They were like, oh, no, we got to give him the money right now. And then two years later, we're like, anybody want a quarterback? <laughs> We've got a quarterback that you guys can have if you would like to have one. And then they shipped him out. Um, but with, with what they're doing with Rodgers, one, this is probably a rude awakening a lot for a lot of those young guys on the team where they look up and they realize that they'll do it to Aaron Rodgers, they'll do it to you. Like everybody thinks they're different until they realize they're not. And this is the clearest demonstration that you probably will not wind up uh, being different in the grand scheme of it. But I also think the Packers learned something that it's hard to build for tomorrow and today at the same time. Like this is the question I had about San Francisco when they made the trade to get a quarterback this year. That's a win-later move, and you tell me that you have a win-now team. And so the Packers had a win-now team, and they made a win-later move. And now, good luck with later. Yeah, because the the later and the now are absolutely on different tracks of team building. Certainly when you've got a quarterback like Rodgers who – you can't even say was showing diminishing returns. I mean, they made an NFC championship game and won 13 games with a new coach who supposedly was going to be so young and so difficult for him to, if you will, Rogers change his spots in a way to, to attach himself at the hip of this guy. And he did exactly that. And then you drafted the quarterback by moving up to take him again. The fact that we're still talking about this a year later, because the, that's the now is kind of stunning to me. It really, really is. It's tough to handle. Yeah, but see, I thought when they drafted him, if like if for some reason they had been in the top ten, they would have really I thought had a bit of a trick bag of decision because Rodgers I did think in eighteen and nineteen did not look like the quarterback that we had seen before, and so much of his game is predicated on athleticism. So if you thought that he was declining as an athlete, then maybe you start looking at the future, but. Every single quarterback who has been taken in the first round since the rookie wage scale came about, the only exception is Paxton Lynch. They all were the starters by year two. Mm. Like the schedule had been laid out on this, and these were the only people that thought, nah, we'll just keep going until Aaron can't play anymore. Like Aaron was just going to be like, I'm just going to keep going until they tell me I'm sorry. Yeah, because that's the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen. Man, he's definitely giving you the vibe that that's how he gets down. Oh, he hasn't. Bomani Jones here on the Rich Eisen Show, host of the Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast. Let's talk about Tebow. What is your two cents on the subject of Tebow getting a, a shot to make the Jacksonville Jaguars from his old college coach? I just thought it was really stupid of Meyer to make this play. I mean, first of all, he's just 33 years old, right? Like, I don't, I don't see any way that he makes it onto the roster or anything. I I am stunned that a man who is Tim Tebow's age and has stepped away from the hell knocked out of him for as long as he has now suddenly wants to have it happen again. Like that, that, that part on his end, I don't get, but with Urban Meyer and this idea that Tim Tebow, if the idea is that he's going to help impart the culture and he's going to be some like locker room type guy, they only listen to you if you're good. Like you're not going to come in here out of nowhere, having not been in the league, not having any people in there, and then going to be the one to show these guys how it's done. Like that's not going to happen. Parcells used to do this a lot, where you would bring guys like Pepper Johnson and Maurice Carthon, and you know they would be the guys to impart the Parcells way. But they were still like when he would do that, they were still like NFL players. They still halfway decent guys. Hebo ain't even no NFL player, which means he's going to look like a snitch. Like, why are you here? Oh, because I'm friends with the coach. He's like a dad to me. Okay, I'm not going to do anything around you. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember when Parcells was with the Jets at the end of uh, you know his run before the Cowboys. He brought in Keith Byers, Dave Meggett, and they were players. They were players. They were important players on that team. I think yeah, Pepper they, they might they even be with go. the Jets. Right. This, this dude couldn't play when he was playing. What do you make, however, of the sense that people are saying that this is the latest affront to Kaepernick, that, that Tebow's getting a shot and Kaepernick uh, did not get one, uh, obviously, with the exception of that one thrown-together tryout by the NFL two years ago that I'm still wondering what the hell happened to make it happen and then when it happened. What, what's your two cents on that subject? Yeah, I think that this one is a separate discussion for what happened with Kaepernick. Like we, it, it, doing that in this case means that we could do it with literally every signing that we have. And so, like when Blake Bortles or Blaine Kaepernick winds up getting another job, yeah, okay, we can go ahead and talk about this. This is about Urban Meyer bringing on his buddy. I don't think that this is really tied to anything like hugely macro beyond that. It's Urban Meyer bringing in his buddy, and again, I don't think that he's going to get anywhere near the actual roster. Like, I think it's going to be a moot point by the time the season starts. I'm just blown away that he would even do this in the first place. And from the sounds of it, people in the organization were not on board with this. And he still did it anyway. Like, I think this is going to be a learning experience for him that, like, this just isn't college in the way that you want it to be. So you don't think, you know, the fact that they could get Tebow, the reps – and OTAs and stuff, and he's going to probably, he's probably right now while we're talking, probably in front of some jugs machine catching his 19,000th football of the day. And, you know, you know, he's going to be, he's going to, he's going to do his best to make this happen. You don't think that this could wind up being one of those, my gosh, if he had only done this 10 years ago type stories, Bomani Jones, you don't feel that? No, because I don't, I don't think he was that athletic in the first place. Like, I thought he was athletic for a college quarterback. Like, he definitely demonstrated that level of athleticism there. But I don't think that he demonstrated an NFL level of athleticism. Like, he's not fast. He could move, but I think he's like a 4'8 guy or something like that. And he does not have a great deal of practice at anything called blocking or anything like that. And so maybe at 23, there was a possibility that we could have looked at it this way. Him jumping in the league at 33 and being a tight end, like – I understand that Kyle Pitts is an exceptional case in terms of athleticism, but that's what tight ends look like these days. Those are the things that tight ends can do now. I've seen nothing from Tim Tebow to indicate that he could do those things. Bomani Jones here on the Rich Eisen Show, the right time with Bomani Jones podcast. Get it where all podcasts can be acquired. Big game tonight, I think, between the Lakers and the Knicks. It's not as if the Lakers don't have a spotlight on them all the time, but now the national spotlight with Turner coming in and the Knicks having the same record, and this is a a terrific barometer test again for the Knicks. They seem to be having one every single night. Um, LeBron may or may not be back for this. You know LeBron said, I'm not going to be 100% anymore. He's fearful, so on and so forth with the play-in tournament that LeBron has criticized, staring the Lakers directly in the face with – uh, meeting with Steph Curry, it appears, and how hot he is. What do you make of the Lakers' current situation and future over the next couple of months, should it happen, Bomani Jones? Well, I don't think they're going to win a championship, and 
I think LeBron was probably being a wee bit dramatic when he said the thing about not being 100% ever again in his career, but he's also in his 18th year in the NBA, and his game is still, in large part, a running and jumping game. So with a high ankle sprain, which like is one of those things, like, kind of like turf toe, where we talk about it all the time, but nobody understands exactly what it is. And the high ankle sprain is, like, you know how people roll their ankles normally, is if you roll it the other way. Like, you realize how much force you have to put down on your ankle to even have a high ankle sprain because your leg is built to stop something like that from happening. I don't think he's going to wind up being at 100% this year. I do think that they're going to wind up being in the play-in tournament. I think they'll get out of that play-in tournament. Mm -hmm. But I think that they are... Unless something pretty drastic changes pretty quickly, I just have a hard time seeing them going deep into the playoffs this year. That said, uh, if I am Adam Silver, I'm sending in Earl Hebner or whoever else I need to to make sure the Lakers do make it into the playoffs. Like This play tournament is looking like a boon for them right now because there's going to be interesting teams in it, but if it results in the Lakers not making the playoffs, it's the worst thing they ever did. <laughs> I think we're learning over the last couple of weeks and months, you know, what what this looks like without LeBron. The Lakers look like without LeBron and what the league looks like without LeBron. You know, I guess you'd be yeah, well, careful what you wish for if you want LeBron finally gone, you know? Yeah, so like on, on one hand, I do think that the league is like the they're suffering from some of the effects of leaning so heavily into LeBron because there's not that much left that's interesting about LeBron after all these years, right? Like he's not going to catch Jordan in the eyes of people. You can't call him a choker or any of that stuff anymore. Now he's one of very many excellent players who are in the NBA. He's still right near the top, but that's still like not really compelling, I don't think, anymore to people at this point. However, those are still the Lakers. And so people who don't care that much about basketball will see the Lakers are on television and still watch. Like If they mess around and get one of those finals where they've got something like Utah and Milwaukee, which might be highly entertaining, and like 15 of us are going to know about it, and we're going to talk about, man, one of the greatest series ever. I'm sure wish people watched it. <laughs> Who's your MVP? Oh, Jokic. It's not even close. Like, I can't believe that people have tried to make this into something compelling, which I think is just largely because they don't think that dude looks like somebody who should be, like, really excellent at basketball. But he's <laughs> one of the most amazing players to watch that I can think of. And when you go look at the advanced numbers, this is like – borderline top 10 all-time season that he is putting up. Like, it's him, and if Embiid had stayed healthy, maybe we'd be, we'd be talking about him in this discussion, but it is Jokic, and I don't even care who number two is. So you're saying he, he, he looks like big country, plays like magic? Is that what you're basically saying, <laughs> Bomani? Yeah, dude, it's so wild, because he does. Like, you know, I'm surprised that he's been in the league this long and hadn't gotten a better haircut. Like, one of my favorite things about the NBA is all these guys who come from Europe and their indoctrination into American culture is right. actually NBA culture. So, you know, you get some guy out of nowhere, you know what I'm saying? You know, you're like, oh, wait, wait when did that happen? Oh, okay, you learned how to speak English in the NBA. And normally somebody would have taken him to the right barbershop by now and he'd have had some lines in his head or something else like that. George Mirsan was walking around here dressed like De La Soul when he was in the league. And Yoke's is still out here with that haircut. I don't get it. De La Soul is maybe the best <laughs> reference we've had on this show in quite some time. But, you know, I, maybe the fact that Jokic is not being widely, you know, overarchingly, in your, as your point, I guess, by what you made, co considered the MVP as a lock, is because, you know, the Nuggets and he, he were an afterthought until, you know, Jamal Murray went down. Then it's like, oh, okay, the fact that you're actually taking a step forward instead of being totally done for the year, fork stuck, that might be it. But, um, and, and then you look at, 
obviously Embiid for the Sixers. I know he went down for a bit, but the Sixers may wind up with the best record in the East, if not writ large. So maybe that's what it is about the Joker, you know? And there's the, the mountain time zone. Like, that's true. There's things that happen specifically in the mountain time zone. We, we, we keep up with the teams on the Pacific. We, for whatever reason, the mountain time zone could be a place where you can quickly go to disappear because it's strange to me they went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yes, like, it wasn't simply that the Clippers blew that series. The Nuggets also came and they took it from them. And so I expected people to be a bit more interested. I think the playoffs will be a good barometer for people to see what they have because what has happened since Murray has come out has gone out. It's something I think is really interesting as an NBA story that is being under-discussed, which is the emergence of future superstar Michael Porter Jr. Um, and when, when Murray went out, my question was going to be, are they going to be about the same without him simply because this means that Porter is going to have to do more? And he has had to do more, and he has done more, and he got a 6'10 dude that's shooting like 55% from the floor and like 45% from three. Like, the Nuggets are coming. Like, people need to start getting ready because I think they're going to be good for a long time. Bomani, always appreciate the chat. Thanks for, uh, for being able to make it today, and uh, I look forward to the next time already. Thanks again. No problem, man. You guys be good. You got it. The Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast. Get it where all podcasts can be acquired. That's Bomani Jones here on the Rich Eisen Show. De La Soul is a fun. <laughs> like George Murison looked like De La Soul when he was <laughs> playing. Like, that was I. funny, funny, <laughs> funny. Tebow does not look like a tight end in the NFL right now. They look like Kyle Pitts, Gronk. They look like Kelsey. Darren Waller. That's what they look like. And Tebow is not going to look like that at all. But I don't think they're... He's coming in as Taysom Hill. That's what you call Taysom Hill a tight end. Taysom Hill doesn't look like a tight end. He's coming in as a Swiss Army knife. That's what he's coming in as. That's what he's coming in as. And his point is, like, you can't be the the leader of the culture if you're you're not good. He's not going to make the team. I don't think so, too. I agree. I agree. I agree. I think think that's what I was saying, too, that this may be a moot point when it's all said and done. And like Albert said, in October, we'll have forgotten about it. Like, we didn't even remember that he played for the Eagles in the preseason. What if he makes it? I completely team? forgot about it. What if he makes it? I team? will be shocked. You're not going to eat something, right? You won't say that. Because no. you never know. Because you can't. Thank He's, you. Because you can't, you no, can't discount. Not, it's Tebow time. No, it's Tebow it could time. be Tebow it's time. Tebow time. But, uh, but I would be stunned. Unbelievable. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be stunned, but like you really? said. I, he, again, I need to, I, I need to make some calls on that. Game. I'd be pretty Certainly shocked. before Chris Jericho is tomorrow, that the, that the, the Jaguars wouldn't be into the that some in the organization weren't into it, maybe maybe some of his personnel department. I don't know. I can't imagine that the cons would be like, yeah, let's not bring in a favorite son of Jacksonville, you know, yeah, who whose jersey yeah. can be sold all over the United Kingdom if he makes our if he makes our team. I can't imagine that. And like you said earlier, he, he's not guaranteed a fifty three man spot. And the, this is the ninety five man roster. The right? last who thing, cares? the last thing on this, just to put it in one more time, is we don't know how Urban's going to run his team. We can guess. Circus, really? Like, you know, where the Jets introduced Tim Tebow when the coach and the owner or were out there. of town yeah. at the owner's meeting and they had Tim Tebow just walk out by and himself. They set, they set it up in the, at, at the, uh, um, oh it was God. like in a gym, the, or like something. at Pier, yeah. Pier 50, Pier, what, Pier 50, whatever the hell it is out in New York. Yeah. They set it out on the west side they, they in this monster place for everybody to it was show like 200 up. 200 media people. Right. It was a circus. For the backup quarterback of the Jets, for the Swiss Army knife that they they were going to have a plan for oh, that they never plan. had a plan for. You think you think that's what they're going to do in Jacksonville? You think that's what they would have done? Did they do that in New England? Of course not. 
Nope. I don't think I think Urban's going to tamp down on this so-called circus. For and for what? For a mini OTA? It'll be great. Um, NFL Network will be there. ESPN will be there. You think he plays a preseason game? I don't even think he make it makes it that far. I don't know. Oh, he's I definitely playing a preseason. I think game. I think he will be like week one of the preseason. You don't have to do any cuts. Yeah, yeah well, unless right. he really is just not not there. I mean, he's a thirty three year old guy. This yeah, is not is. a fantasy camp, right? I said this yesterday. Jaguars have to be hard knocks. I know there's a rule that a first year head coach doesn't have to do it, but the league should just do it. Make them do it. Dude, I, I can't imagine. It would be incredible. That happens. It would be the most watch hard knocks in years. It would be great. I just don't know if Urban would do it. Because yeah. that's that's the end of that. 844 204 Rich Number to Doll. Big day in sports movie history today. Oh. One of my all time favorites. One of my top five sports movies of all time hit theaters today. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Where did Stefan come from? Did that uh, was that that came from uh, two things? John Mulaney wrote that with me, and John I it deserves a lot of credit for Stefan because mm-hmm. he wrote so much of the rhythm of that and the and the specifics of it. And clearly, I found it funny because uh, I laughed every time uh, we did it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we ever did it where I didn't laugh. John will put in different things. <laughs> Or he'll tell me as I'm walking out, and it's just like throwing stuff at me. And when I hosted last, John came out as yeah. Shy, his lawyer, who's also a piss artist. Yeah. And um, and he came in, and he, this is all John. And John whispered, it, and he comes out, and and he, I thought he was gonna do it, kind of like in the Stefan voice, like, "Hey, Stefan," or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he comes out, and he goes, "Hello, Stefan." <laughs> talked in a very normal voice. And he goes, hello, Stefan. Hello, everyone. 
And he kind of talked to this real official voice. And I started laughing. And then he whispered in my ear. He goes, oh, I have something to tell you. And he just whispers in my ear, my girlfriend works at Yoshinoa Beef Ball. <laughs> and, there you go. and I just started laughing just to like... It's just punching me in the face. He's like, hey, by the way, my girlfriend. <laughs> and I'm like, if you watch it, I'm like, what? I'll tell you, I know you're not supposed to laugh at this stuff and break in the middle of a scene, but that's oh, just I broke amazing. every time. You yeah, did? the first time was we had a club promoter named Amnesia Bern- Bernstein, and it didn't really get anything. And then he goes, Amnesia Bernstein didn't really get anything. And he goes, I'll change it to something else. And then as I was walking out, he goes, oh, I changed Amnesia Bernstein to Gay Leota. <laughs> <laughs> and I started laughing. So the minute I roll out, I'm like, Gay Leota. All right, the other one was, uh, sorry, the other one that made me laugh was he said, he'll change a little things. We had a we had, we had written, a, uh, uh, also at the club was uh, a two-year-old ultimate fighter, Julie Lips Jackson. He's got fists like empanadas and he's addicted to ecstasy. That's what we wrote. And then he wrote, so it was like two-year-old, uh, two-year-old, two-year-old ultimate fighter, Julie Lips Jackson. Uh, he's got fists like imp- he's got fists like empanadas, and they turn the cue card. <laughs> it said, "And he's my best friend." <laughs> 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 so when he turns the car and says, and he's my best friend, that oh I lost oh it. My God. I was like, John. I am laughing so hard. And behind the cue cards, past him, I could oh. see him and Sandberg up against the wall just like <laughs> watching me laughing. Like, just do this, dude. All right, everybody. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Well, welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Now I'm learning fast on Twitter just what the new amount of money that my uh, my bosses were making on the new television contracts, what it allows the partners to do. So much for the exclusive uh, release of the NFL schedule on NFL Network and ESPN2 at 8 Eastern time tomorrow night. Oh. <laughs> Uh, according to um, Sports Business Journal's Ben Fisher, you can tune into Good Morning America tomorrow to watch the uh, Week One Monday Night Football matchup being announced. I guess if you're paying all that money, you can get to announce your Week One Monday Night Football matchup. That's a double header, as you know. Right? Can we guess? I mean, I don't know. Who knows? That that's the, that's like literally thrown a dart at a board. Usually, it's the Rams, and then and then um, the Raiders. Uh, Fox Sports will break its week one NFL slate on Fox and Friends, local Fox stations, and FS1. I guess uh, I guess Baby Fox. Skip and Shannon will get a shot at uh, announcing the full week one NFL slate on Fox. What? So I guess, you know, can we maybe, can I? Can we get something? I, I'm going to call. Maybe the Rich Eisen Show could announce the NBC slate, right? We're NBC sounds, Sports on Peacock. Sounds great. Right? I'm telling you, it's going to be Bucks and Cowboys. If it's not Bucks and Cowboys, I will be stunned. That will be that will be Fox basically threatening to revolt. Maybe we got to get that game, and then CBS would lose Bills at Bucks. Tough. I don't know, man. Tough as you're seeing right now. Like it used to be, no way. It used to be Francesa leaking the Giants, the Giants schedule, schedule and Jets schedule, and yeah. we'd be sitting there going, "What the hell?" 
We're talking about we're trying to create content here at the NFL Network, and and Frances is sitting there because it gets, you know, he gets it. So the schedule's out somewhere. It's in somebody's inbox somewhere. Somebody Not mine yet. Got it. Not mine yet. But what, like, uh, good morning, G- like Strahan is gonna tweet out some of the hot games. No, or he something? won't. No, 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 or... no, no. He'll he'll do the right thing and just ho- they'll sit on it. Or like an associate producer at Fox and Friends is gonna <laughs> somebody post out the schedule. I don't know. You know the wolf has it. Let's hit her up on Twitter and find out. Well, you're, who are you referring to? The wolf. Oh, Colleen Wolf. Yeah, she has. No, she's with me and so yeah, far. If he doesn't have it, if I nobody's have it, got it. They might have given it to her before you. So okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I know you, you're a fan of Colleen Wolf, as we all are. Well, that's tomorrow. Rich, before you get to your movie real quick, yeah. I want to talk about this. What, what do you think about the possibility of the Las Vegas Athletics? Yeah, I heard what the the A's might move, huh? Yeah, the A's uh, have been given permission to start exploring relocation possibilities. I don't know. Could you play baseball? They have to be indoors, don't you? Yeah, think? I don't. Or think 150 they... degrees. Yeah, it's too hot. What are we gonna talk about? They changed from athletic green to mo green. Hey now, hey now. Yeah, and the uh, I guess there was an announcement that the new Vegas stadium for that we haven't seen a fan in yet is going to have like an end zone club. For yeah. 11,000 oh people. Gosh. A nightclub with two DJs and like 40 big screens. Dude, could you imagine like, you know, like the, the Patriots come in and, and Belichick's team is out there on the field and they start, you know, blasting music from in there? Is that, what that, is? <laughs> is that, is that part of, is that part of it's the... It's going to be called the Winfield Club. You can get bottle service and it has two DJ booths. <laughs> bottle service. Wow. At the game. Well... We'll have to talk about, is Del Tufo back tomorrow? Are you here, Tufo? No, no. he's gone. So we'll have to wait for that because, you know, Del Tufo has got a oh, season Oh, why shouldn't ticket. I be the DJ well, in there? Oh, that's, I mean, I that's a conversation for Thursday's show. Are you kidding me? He's already in the building. I'm the best DJ there. I'm there. I got tickets. So, um, 37 years ago today, 37 years ago today, you could go to a theater near you and put down your hard-earned American dollars to see a movie called The Natural hey, the first time. Top five movie for me, sports movie for me. It's up there with Hoosiers, and it's up there, man. Robert Redford as Roy Hobbs in the Bernard Malibud, um novel made for a movie. I love this movie. I love all about it. I love Wonder Boy, the bat born out of a, a tree that's hit by lightning. Hit by lightning, yeah. You know? sidetracked by a woman who shoots him. Robert Redford is a baseball player as the great Roy Hobbs. That's cool. The Tim Tebow of his time, the great Roy Hobbs, coming back <laughs> after all this time away. Then he starts hitting home runs for the New York Knights, takes them from last place to the, to the heights. Oh, my gosh. Lightning strikes just as he's swinging and he's, his, his wound from his – Bullet wound, but his bullet wound from years later, that's bleeding right there, and that's real blood, unlike Kurt Schilling's sock. And wow, you know, <laughs> Just, come on. And then the manager, played by a forty-nine-year-old Wilford Brimley, younger in this movie than he was in Cocoon. Richard Farnsworth, who Can't plays the, Richard Farnsworth, <laughs> who's the coach who played Red Blow in the movie, was fifteen years older than Wilford Brimley, and they looked the same age. <laughs> Spoiler alert, in the book, he takes the money. 
Not in a movie. Can't go to a movie and have him do that. No. Golden no, Boy no. Robert Redford. Glenn Close stands up in Wrigley Field. Come on. <laughs> Barbara Hershey's with a, a gun. Joe Don Baker, who Fletch hated. Remember that? <laughs> Joe Don Baker playing a whammer. Gosh. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Del Tufo pulled the plug <laughs> on the lights. Well I done. I knew it. We all knew that. And Leon's getting larger. <laughs> That's awesome. The fog is getting thicker. We'll land this airplane on Peacock when we come back. Let you know who's on Wednesday's show on the radio. We'll see you on Wednesday. 